ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد This particular topic that we're going to discuss today, insha'Allah ta'ala, Babu ma jaa fi himayatil Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, janaab al-tawheed wa sadduhu kullu tariqin yusil ila shirk. The chapter regarding how the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam safeguarded tawheed and blocked every avenue to shirk. The preservation of tawheed and blocking every possibility or pathway to shirk. Shirk being the act of worshipping multiple deities, worshipping several gods, other gods besides Allah. And that is something which is not permissible, to make partners with Allah, to worship more, and to worship others besides Allah, then that is shirk. So here... The author or the Sheikh, uh, Sheikh uh, Al-Fawzan, he says that this particular chapter now says, Babu ma jaa fi himayatil Mustafa. Al-Mustafa means Al-Mukhtar, i.e. the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was the chosen one. He was the chosen one. Al-Mustafa, and that is mentioned, or this word is mentioned in the Quran, Allahu yastafi min al-malaikati rusulan wa min al-nas, that Allah chooses from His angels, messengers, and from the people. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose certain men to be prophets. Throughout the times, throughout history, Allah chose certain men to be prophets. So you see, for example, the first of those messengers, the first of those was Nuh alayhi salam, Noah. Noah, Nuh alayhi salam was one of the prophets of Allah. And then also, for example, Musa alayhi salam, Moses, one of the prophets of Allah. Also Ibrahim alayhi salam, Abraham, one of the prophets of Allah, Isa alayhi salam, Jesus, one of the prophets of Allah. All of these are different prophets and messengers. And the last prophet and messenger to come, to be chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the final one, was Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Al-Mustafa is the chosen one. And so the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he was the chosen one to be the final Prophet, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he was the best of all of the Prophets. The five best Prophets from all of the Prophets and Messengers are, as we just mentioned, the five best Prophets, as Muslims believe, is the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the highest, then after that, the Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam, Abraham, as the second highest prophet. Then Musa alayhi salam, Moses, the third highest prophet. Then after that, Isa alayhi salam, 
and Nuh alayhi salam, Jesus and Noah, they were the fourth and the fifth best prophets. These are the best of the prophets and the messengers as uh, we understand and we know to be. So here this chapter is talking about how the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam preserved the boundaries of Tawheed and did not allow any shirk to come into that. Did not allow any activity, any way for the people to perform so that they might end up into shirk, they might end up performing a worship or an action which is actually shirk by associating partners to Allah. Just like the mushrikeen they used to do. Those people who didn't accept Islam at the time of the Prophet Muhammad they used to worship lots of different gods. They used to have lots of different idols, lots of different gods that they used to worship. But the Prophet Muhammad chosen by Allah, was given the revelation to teach the people that there is only one deity to be worshipped. That it is not possible to worship all of these many different gods, but that you have to worship only Allah alone. So the Prophet ﷺ preserved and guarded over this aqeedah, this tawheed, in preserving the Tawheed and not allowing any polytheism, any shirk to enter into that. And there are many examples of that. At the beginning, when the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ was teaching the people the religion, in the early times of that teaching, he would prevent the people, the believers, from doing certain things that might end up leading on to shirk, or certain things that may open up the door to that. So for example, in the early stages of Islam, it was not allowed to go to the graveyards. Because going to the graveyards and staying there for lengthy periods of time, it is one of the means that can lead to opening up shirk. Just like it happened at the time of Nuh alayhi salam. The people start to have a level of reverence and veneration, respect and honor for these people in the graves to such a degree that people start to worship these awliya as they claim, these righteous men as they claim. They start to worship them. They start to worship the graves and maybe they start bowing down to the graves. So that can lead to shirk occurring. It can lead a person to end up worshipping others besides Allah. So the Prophet ﷺ blocked that pathway. Stopped them from going to the graves initially. And then afterwards, when the aqeedah became established and the tawheed became established in their hearts, then the Prophet ﷺ allowed them to go and visit the graveyards because as he mentioned in the narration, فَإِنَّهَا تُذَكِّرُكُمُ الْآخِرَةِ Because going to the graveyards, it reminds you of the afterlife, reminds you of the hereafter, reminds you of when all of the people are going to be resurrected. The resurrection will occur and every single person 
from the time of Adam, from the time of the first person, Adam alayhi salam, all the way to the end of time, every single person ever, every single one of them will be resurrected, and they will stand again, and they will be alive again, and then their accountability will occur, everything they did upon this earth, all of their deeds, their good and their bad, as we know, the angels, they write down everything you do, as it is mentioned in the Qur'an, all of the good things you do, all of the bad things you do, every speech, every action, all of that is recorded, and then on that day when the resurrection occurs, the people will be held accountable for what they did. This life, in that way, we have been told is a test. This life is therefore a test to test the people who will be good in action and who will not. This life is not without objective. Allah mentioned to us in the Quran, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ I did not create the jinn or the humans except for them to worship me. That is the purpose of our creation, the purpose of our existence. And then all of the things that you see around you in this earth, Allah created them to aid us in our worship of Him. So that is what will occur. And the Prophet ﷺ, he guarded over and he preserved this Tawheed, so that nothing would enter into it which was in opposition to it. The first ayah which is mentioned here, قَوْلُ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى لَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولٌ مِّنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ عَزِيزٌ عَلَيْهِ مَا عَنِتُّمْ That indeed a messenger has come to you. What did they say? That certainly come to you a messenger from amongst yourselves. Certainly a messenger has come to you from amongst yourselves. Further to that? Uh, grievous to him is what you suffer. Grievous to him is what you suffer. Meaning, the Prophet ﷺ, it impacts upon him. He is concerned for the people. The Prophet ﷺ is concerned for the people. And he is keen that the people be upon Tawheed. And that they be removed from shirk. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent a Prophet and a Messenger from the people themselves. The prophets and messengers were not angels that came to us. Allah selected the prophets and messengers from mankind, from the humans. Because that makes it easier for us to accept from our own kind. Makes it easier for us to accept and to be more comfortable with the one who is from our own kind, from the humans. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the prophets and the messengers from the humans. So, لَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ Allah said in the Qur'an, a messenger has come to you, to all of you. Whether you are Arabs, non-Arabs, black, white, everybody, the prophets and messengers have come to you. And the messengers are the ones who Allah gave the revelation to. They were the ones who were given that revelation. They were the ones that Allah gave them the guidance, the truth of what is allowed and what is not, what are the commandments and what are not. 
And all of these messengers, they were given these revelations. So before us, for example, Musa alayhi salam, Moses, was given the Torah, the book, the Torah, that is from Allah. That book was from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Isa alayhi salam was given the Injil, the Bible, that is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the prophets and messengers were given these books. And the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam was given the Qur'an. The Qur'an was given to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. All of these are revelations from Allah. All of these are books with guidance in them from Allah. Of course, the previous books we know, they were changed and they no longer remain upon their original form. But the Qur'an, it is preserved and remains upon its original form as it was revealed. So here in this in this ayah, it mentions that the Prophet ﷺ, it grieves him what comes upon us. It grieves him what we find in difficulty. From the difficulties and the hardships that we face, then that is something which impacts upon the Prophet ﷺ, because the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ, wanted ease for us in our religion. He wanted ease for us in our religion. وَلِهَذَا كَانَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ يَجِبُ أَنْ يَأْتِيَ بَعْضَ الْأَعْمَالِ وَلَكِنَّهُ يَتْرُكُهَا رَحْمَةً بِأُمَّتِهِ خَشْعَةً يَشَقَّ عَلَيْهِمْ وَمِنْ ذَلِكَ صَلَاةُ التَّرَاوِحِ There are examples where the Prophet left certain actions. Left certain actions because they might have become obligatory upon us and we're unable to do them. For example, the Salatul Taraweeh in Ramadan, praying together in congregation uh, as an obligation, it is not. The Prophet ﷺ did not come out and pray that together as an obligatory matter so that it did not become an obligation upon the Ummah and that would be a burden upon the Ummah. Also the siwak, the siwak, the Prophet ﷺ, he said, لَوْلَا أَنْ أَشُقَّ عَلَىٰ أُمَّتِي لَأَمَرْتُهُمْ بِالسِّوَاكِ عِنْدَ كُلِّ صَلَاءُ عِنْدَ كُلِّ وُضُوءُ That was it not for the fact that I would burden my Ummah, that it would be a burden and it would be difficult, was it not for that, then I would have commanded you to use the siwak every time you pray, before you pray, and every time when you make the wudu. But it would be a burden upon the people to have to do that all the time. So the Prophet ﷺ did not uh, command that as an obligation. Then Allah says, Ra'ufur Rahim. That the Prophet ﷺ is merciful to you, has the, the compassion towards you. He has the compassion towards you. He is merciful to you. The Prophet ﷺ wants goodness for you. He wants you to be guided. He wants you to be upon the truth. He wants you to be upon the worship of Allah alone. Not worshipping two gods or three gods or multiple gods. But worshipping only Allah alone. Then after that we have the hadith of Abu Hurairah. رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا تجعلوا بيوتكم قبورا ولا تجعلوا قبر عيدا 
وصلوا علي فإن صلاتكم تبلغني حيث كنتم The Prophet said do not make your houses like graveyards Don't make your houses like graveyards What does that mean? It means your homes where you live Don't make them places where you never worship Allah Because the graveyards They are places where you're not allowed to pray The the salah, the prayer and those types of things You're not supposed to do them at the graveyards So the Prophet said Don't make your houses, your homes like graveyards Meaning that you abandon doing any worship in your homes You abandon praying the supererogatory prayers The nawafil in your homes Don't make your homes barren from worship Don't make your homes barren and empty from any type of obedience or prayer. Pray in your homes. Pray the nawafil, the supererogatory prayers. Make the dua, recite the Qur'an, read the Qur'an. Do all of these worships in your homes. Don't make your homes like they are graveyards, i.e. that you don't ever do any worship in your homes. The religion of Islam, it is to be practiced at all times. When you wake up, when you go to sleep during your day, you live your lives as Muslims in the proper manner. So even in your homes, you are upon the worship of Allah. You are upon the obedience to Allah. So here the Prophet ﷺ said, don't make your, home, your houses, your homes uh, barren and abandoned from any type of worship. Rather, make your homes filled with the remembrance of Allah. Make your homes filled with obedience to Allah and homes that are of that nature, homes that are filled with the remembrance of Allah, the recitation of the Qur'an, the prayer, the supererogatory prayer, and the obligatory for the women. All of these types of obediences and worships, when a home is filled with that, it makes it more difficult for the shayateen or the devils to enter the likes of those homes. But the homes that are free and barren, and void of any worship, they do not have any obedience occurring within them, then those are the types of homes that are easier for the shayateen, for the devils to penetrate, to enter into. The homes which are free of any worship, homes which have no worship occurring within them, as Shaykh Al-Fawzan says, then the people who are living in those homes, then it's as if they are living upon ignorance. They are living upon jahl. fil And they are living upon negligence. You're being negligent. You're not worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're not bothering. You're not paying attention. So you're being negligent. You're being negligent of your duties. وَيَصِيرُونَ مِثْلَ الْمَوْتَى and so those people in those homes, they become just like as if they are dead. Their homes are dead, and it is as if they are dead. Those homes are dead, because there is no worship happening in them. There is no Qur'an being recited in them. There is no prayer being prayed in them. They are homes which are abandoned and deserted and empty. And they are homes which are like the graveyards where no worship is being done. So here the Prophet ﷺ said, لا تجعلوا بيوتكم قبورا. Do not make your houses like the graveyards. So this, the Prophet ﷺ is informing us 
to make your homes full of worship. And there is another hadith which mentions one example of that worship, and that is the recitation of Surah Al-Baqarah. إِنَّهَا لَا تُطِيقُهَا الْبَطَلَةِ The Prophet ﷺ said that the shayateen, the devils, they can't handle when you recite Surah Al-Baqarah, the chapter of the Qur'an, right at the beginning of the Qur'an, Surah Al-Baqarah. Recite that in your homes and the shayateen, they can't burden it, they can't handle it. أَيْ لَا تُطِيقُ سَمَاعَ سُورَةِ الْبَقَرَةِ They can't handle listening to Surah Al-Baqarah. So the one who recites the Qur'an, recites Surah Al-Baqarah, then this is a protection for the homes, the worship and the remembrance of Allah is a protection from the shayateen. Then the Prophet ﷺ said, وَلَا تَجْعَلُوا قَبْرِ And do not make my grave an Eid. Do not make my grave an Eid. What does it mean, do not make my grave into an Eid? We mentioned this before. So Eid, in the Arabic language, it means something which is repetitive. Something which occurs on a repetitive basis. Eid, Eid al-Fitr, Eid al-Adha, the Eids of the Muslims, they come back on a repetitive basis, yearly, annually. So the Prophet said, do not make my grave like an Eid. Meaning, do not make it a place where you come and you gather, you come together in a big gathering, you come together on a regular basis, like it's some sort of festival, like it's some sort of huge gathering together that you're making at the grave of the Prophet or that you're making at a place for regular gatherings, regular visitations, all of these types of affairs, the Prophet ﷺ, he forbade against them occurring. نَهَا عَنِ اتِّخَاذِ قَبْرِهِ عِيدًا أَيْ مَكَانًا يُجْتَمَعُ عِنْدَهُ لِلْعِبَادَةِ The Prophet ﷺ forbade that you should make his grave a place where you come together for worship. A place where the people, they gather together to perform worship together. The Prophet ﷺ warned against that and prohibited that from occurring. And that is the same as the previous chapters that we were talking about. That it is not permissible to go and worship at the graves. It is not permissible to worship at the graves. And it is not permissible to put the graves inside the mosques. To put the graves of the people inside the mosques is not allowed. The graveyards, the graves are outside, not inside the mosques. Because doing that is an act of shirk. If you begin to worship them and you place them inside of the mosque, then this is impermissible. Then the Prophet ﷺ said, وَصَلُّوا عَلَيَّ فَإِنَّ صَلَاتَكُمْ تَبْلُغُنِي حَيْثُ كُنْتُمْ Pray upon me, send the salutations upon me, because they will reach me wherever you are. They will reach me wherever you are. In the Quran it mentions, إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَمَلَائِكَتَهُ يُسَلُّونَ عَلَى النَّبِي That indeed the angels and, or indeed Allah and the angels, they send the salutations upon the Prophet. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا صَلُّوا عَلَيْهِ وَسَلِّمُوا تَسْلِيمًا 
O oh, you who believe, send the salutations upon him and the peace upon him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded us to send the prayers upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to send the salutations upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that whenever a person does this, it reaches the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, wherever you may be, even if you are not in Medina, even if you are not in Medina, wherever you are, then it reaches the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And so this indicates the foolishness of the people and the incorrect idea of the people who say, when somebody goes to Umrah, what do they say to you? When you're going to go to Umrah, what do people ask you to do for them on their behalf? Give my salam to the Prophet Here it mentions in the hadith, your salam, your salutations, your prayers, when you make them upon the Prophet they will reach the Prophet wherever you are. And in another narration it says, when you give the salam to the Prophet the angels take that to him. If that's what it says in the hadith, why would somebody want to entrust a person to go and do that? When in the hadith it says he's already going to get there and the angels are going to take it. Maybe the person you ask to take it, he gets there and he gets ill, or something happens on the way, the flight gets cancelled, he doesn't even end up going. All types of things could happen to the person. Your salam may never get there. He might get there and forget. Forget to take your salam. But here the, the narrations are telling you, wherever you are, send the prayers upon the Prophet So instead of people implementing the sunnah, they do something which is worse. They trust a human to go and take it, when here it's telling you wherever you are, it will get to the Prophet The angels will take it to the Prophet But you want to entrust a person who maybe doesn't even get there. Maybe an accident happens, la qaddar Allah. Maybe he forgets when he gets there. So why are you going to do that when it says wherever you are, the salutations and the prayers, they get to the Prophet sallallahu that your salutations and your prayers, they come to me wherever you are. So this indicates that there is nothing specific for you to say that the person has to be at the grave to be able to do it. That I can't do it from here, he's going to Umrah, when he gets to the grave, then he can do it for me on my behalf. There's nothing specific like that. Doesn't have to be at the grave that you have to take it and do it. So it can be done from anywhere. بَلْ إِذَا قَصَدَ الْإِنسَانُ الْقَبْرِ لِأَجْلِ الصَّلَاءِ فَهَذَا مَنْهِيٌ عَنْهُمْ In fact, if a person actually makes the intention that they are going to go to the grave of the Prophet ﷺ, particularly with this intention that I'm going to do, I'm going to do the salutations and the prayers upon the Prophet ﷺ. That is actually forbidden to have that intention. That I'm going to go there particularly for that. لَكِنْ إِذَا قَصَدَ قَبْرَهُ لِلسَّلَامِ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلِّ عَلَيْهِ فَهَذَا مَشْرُوعٌ What's allowed is that you have the intention of going there to give the salam to the Prophet ﷺ. But if you have the intention, I'm going to go there to do the salutations, to do the, the other dua, supplications, particularly at the grave of the Prophet ﷺ, and that's why you're going, that intention is wrong. That is not allowed. What's allowed is that you have the intention, I'm going to go there to give the salam to the Prophet ﷺ. But sending the salutations, the, the, uh, the, the prayers, and the other affairs, to say you got to do that exactly at the grave, is not correct. Then, 
There is this narration of Ali ibn al-Husayn, radiyallahu anhu. Annahu ra'a rajulan, he says that he saw a man, Ali ibn al-Husayn, who was one of the tabi'een. Ali ibn al-Husayn ibn Ali ibn Abi Talib, the grandson of Ali ibn Abi Talib, Ali. He says that he saw a man أَنَّهُ رَأَى رَجُلًا يَجِئُ عِنْدَ فُرْجَةٍ عِنْدَ قَبْرٍ النَّبِيَ سَلَّمْ That he saw a man coming to a gap at the grave of the Prophet sallallahu Saw a man coming to a gap at the grave of the Prophet sallallahu So this man used to come to this gap and he used to go in from this gap. فَيَدْعُوُ he used to go in from that gap and he used to make dua at the grave of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So Ali ibn al Hussein ibn Ali, the grandson of Ali ibn Abi Talib, saw this man doing this and he prohibited him. He said to him, "Don't do this." He prohibited him and he said, "Don't do this. Don't go into the grave of the Prophet sallallahu from this gap and make your dua there all the time. Don't do that. This isn't something which is legislated." So he prohibited him from doing that. And he said to him, أَلَا أُحَدِّثُكُمْ بِحَدِيثٍ سَمِعْتُهُ مِنْ أَبِي عَنْ جَدِّي He said, shall I not tell you a hadith which I heard from my father, who heard from my grandfather, who is Ali ibn Abi Talib. Ali radiallahu anhu, who heard from the Prophet sallallahu and what was this hadith? He said, "La tatakhidu qabri ida, wala biyutakum qabura, wa sallu alayya fa inna taslima kum la yablughani ayna kuntum." In this narration, he says that I heard the Prophet ﷺ say, "Do not make my grave an eid," and that's what we've already discussed. Making the grave a place of gathering, a place of worship, a place of du'a, particularly repetitive visitations. Do not make my grave like that. وَلَا بُيُوتَكُمْ قُبُورًا And do not make your homes like the graves. Meaning? So don't make your homes places where you don't ever do any worship. Make your homes places where you do do worship. That we've already discussed too. Then the Prophet said, وَصَلُّوا عَلَيَّهِ Send the prayers upon me. فَإِنَّ تَسْلِيمَكُمْ For indeed your salam, it reaches me, لَيَبْلُغَنِي أَيْنَ كُنْتُمْ It reaches me wherever you are. From wherever you are, then it reaches me. So this hadith, it gives you the same meaning as the previous one. When Ali ibn al-Husayn ibn Ali saw this man doing this, going into the grave, in through that gap, and making the dua there regularly, he realized this is something wrong. This is not what you're supposed to do because of this hadith. So he told the man this hadith. That the Prophet said, give your salutations upon me wherever you are and they will reach me. Don't make it specific coming to my grave and going into the grave and making the dua there and doing the supplications and whatever else there, that is not correct and that is not permissible. Rather, 
do it from wherever you are and those supplications and those uh, salutations they will reach the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam so what do we benefit from these narrations we benefit the great virtue the great blessing of allah upon us that allah sent the prophets and the messengers allah sent the prophets and the messengers with the guidance with the revelation and the final messenger muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam with the guidance for mankind explaining how a person is to live his life how you live your lives so that your hearts have peace in them that is what the people they desire that is what every person he strives for and he wants he wants a peaceful heart he wants a heart which is relaxed he doesn't want to have a heart which is always worried about things always thinking about this always thinking about that always worried and grieving and distressed always stressed out about something or another everybody wants to have peace in their heart so the prophets and the messengers they were sent with the guidance so that if we live in accordance to this guidance that came in the Quran and the sunnah the guidance that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam came with and taught us then the people will live with peace in their hearts in some of the hadith in some of the narrations that the prophet muhammad sallallahu told us it's mentioned that even if a person was poor you're completely poor you have hardly any money at all if you are practicing islam and you're living your life as a proper muslim worshiping allah then even in a state of poverty you're poor and you have nothing you will be completely happy inside because your heart is connected to Allah your creator the one who created you and created those who came before you and created the heavens and the earth and the way they've been made all of that you realize that and you worship the creator then you find that serenity that peace that tranquility that contentment within your hearts that peace within your hearts that you would not find otherwise so we benefit this great understanding of the mercy and the blessing of Allah upon us that he sent this guidance to us and he sent the prophets and the messengers and the revelation to us and we therefore understand the great virtue or the great blessing again that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam informed us of all of the good things which guide us to goodness and take us to goodness and he informed us and told us of all of the evil things that we have to stay away from all of the evil that will take us towards the hellfire to stay away from those things to stay away from those things which are not good for us also from these narrations we benefited that a person should not make his home like a graveyard should not make his home a place where there is no worship there is no recitation of the quran there are no supplications no duas nothing happening and the only thing happening in those homes is evil and haram then those are the types of homes where the shayateen the devils they will prefer to enter them rather than entering a home where the quran is read within it every day and the prayers are established within it every day and the other remembrance and the duas and the supplications are done within it so these are some of the benefits we receive from this and we realize also how the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam had the compassion towards the people he wanted for us goodness 
He wanted for us to be guided upon Tawheed and he had the mercy towards us and he wanted ease for us. So that is from the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon us and it is upon us therefore to practice this religion and to practice Islam and to live our lives in accordance to how Allah the Creator has told us we are to live our lives. And that is where we'll conclude today. And next week, insha'Allah ta'ala, we will discuss the chapter regarding how some of this ummah will end up worshipping idols. How some of these people, they will end up worshipping statues and idols and other things. And that is a severe and dangerous thing to fall into shirk. So insha'Allah we'll carry on and we'll discuss that next week. I will conclude upon that today. وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين.